friends. Welcome to the Creative Impact Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Caldwell, and I'm so happy you're here. Each episode, I take some time to chat with fellow artists about life, faith, and the impact of the arts. I've been so excited to get to talk to you. And like when I saw you at Project Dance Houston this year, I was like, Sarah would be amazing on the podcast. So I'm glad. I'm so glad that this worked out and that we're able to spend some time together and share it with our friends, whoever's listening. So thanks so much for being here, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yes. So <laughs> just to give a little intro for everyone. Well, it's fun because we've, I feel like we've kind of just seen each other at various dance events through the years. And then you knew Ben. From Arrows, right? You probably knew Ben before you met me, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. So cool. I met Ben on a Arrows International mission trip. Wow. We were in Costa Rica. And then I remember when he met you. Oh, you remember that? Yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> Magical time. It's that that's how many years ago now? Is it's that... been about 10 years ago since we met. Yeah, which is crazy. Just 10 years, just just a few. Yeah. We met about 10 years ago. And then this summer we're celebrating nine years, our nine year anniversary. So nine to 50, right? We're shooting, we're shooting towards the the stars. Amen. Yes. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun season. That was really cool. And I think I probably first met you at Project Dance is my guess, or somehow through the ADM community, maybe like at an intensive or. I think so. I would go down to. Houston from Dallas because at the time we didn't have a lot of Christian dance in Dallas. Yeah. About 15 years ago. Okay. And so I would actually drive down to Houston to get filled up so that when I was back in Dallas, I could pour out. Mm. And so that was my community for the project dance world. And it was my community for a day. Um, and Right. It was so needed. I had no idea because I was in Dallas, both in the secular community and also in the Christian community. And so mm. just have both roles. I'm grateful for those friendships. I'm grateful for sleeping on Jenna Vance's sofa. We were joking about okay. that the other night about, you know, I was a 20 something year old and needing a stop <laughs> and we'd just call up and like, Hey, can I, can I crash on and now I have 20 year olds that are crashing on my sofa when they're Aww. coming to Dallas to get filled up. So it's a fun full circle time. That's amazing. I love, yeah, I love the full circle-ness of all that. And <laughs> just, it's really fun to be able to pour it back out as well. Like when we've been blessed in that way, that happened this year with Project Dance too. It was like, you know, we've been, like you said, the people that have gone and just receive people's hospitality. And so it was really fun to be able to give back in that way a little bit. So it's amazing. The longevity it's, mm-hmm. you sometimes forget and it's so easy to do that, but it's when you look back and you see the road had been paved with people prior right. and what you're doing today will launch those out. And so it's actually vital mm-hmm. to not, not to be in the present, but also to fix your eyes and to know that yes. there's another generation that's coming and that they need you. Yeah. Well said. Humbling to be a part of. It is. That's so true. Well, just a little bit of an overview of who Sarah is for those who are listening. So Sarah is an incredible human, first off, and just a beautiful dancer and choreographer, teacher, professor. We'll talk more about that later. And then also a wife and a mother and doing like lots of different things, which is really fun getting to teach around the world. (laughs) So. 
Yeah, I know. It's kind of, we were just talking before we hit record about you kind of get to a point and you look around and like, whoa, how did I get here? So <laughs> a little bit of that going on in this season, but yeah. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? I kind of gave the the broad intro, but if there's anything else you want to share. So good. You could follow me around and do that everywhere. That'd be really great. I would feel so special. You can do the supermarket. You can. Yes. I, I often introduce myself to people that I'm I first start saying in my interview in my bio now it says I'm a human. I love it. That creates art. Yep. And it's it's my laboratory, my workspace, the primary location for me is the studio. Mm, yeah. I do see my role as an educator and as a researcher as lifted up high. The byproduct of it becomes choreographic work mm. or uh, investigative study that I can write about. But it's never the main focus. It's what happens in the studio. And that has really fueled me for, it's been over 20 years now. Wow, yeah. And I, I'm grateful for the time because I'm also being able to see what happens in discipleship and what happens in mentorship and what happens in the studio space push outward rather than putting all of the weight upon we're performing and the weightiness of we have to get it right and the perfectionism of the final product mm. to say, hey, hold on, the process is actually really vital. Yeah. Let's really pour into the process and then the product will have excellence, but it doesn't hold the same level of perfection that crumbles that we fall apart in. Right. That kind of crushing weight. Yeah. Yeah. So my my career, I trained as a dancer, classical dancer went to Southern Methodist University and had my undergraduate there. I actually graduated. I went in as a dance major and I came out as an advertising major with a minor in dance and a minor in religious studies. Nice. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but I made a switch halfway through. I think I was burned out. I think I was tired of the push, Mm -hmm. tired of having a number on my chest and saying this was it wasn't Sarah. I was number 105. Yeah. Um, I needed to detach. And I found advertising was fascinating to me because I fell in love with the research of, of market studies and why we buy certain products and the psychology of purchases, Yeah, which I didn't know, but God actually would use later to study people. Mm-hmm. What we do in, in dance. It's what I do in my work. It becomes the study of the human existence um, and mapping patterns, seeing what's happening both in the flesh, but then also in the spirit. That's so cool. I love that. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then I I came back to dance post-graduation in my 20s. I got saved when I was 18 and I was starting to activate my faith and I was doing mission trips and I was traveling. And I remember teaching in South Africa, a makeshift dance class in a pile of trash wow. working out there. And the children that I was working with, I was a horrible soccer player and I couldn't do any of the activities that everyone else was trying to do with uh. them, but I could make rhythm games and I could, I could gather the the two-year-olds and the three-year-olds and the four-year-olds and we would for an hour just dance together. Mm-hmm. And that's when I felt the calling of dance come back. Wow. And it wasn't about where I was, it was with who I was with. Mm-hmm. So went back to Dallas shifted perspective a little bit. And I think 2016, I went and I got my master's. Oh, awesome. Did it in choreography and 
similar to back to advertising. It was studying mm-hmm. and seeing the stage and seeing the studio in a different light and how, what are we producing and what's the message that's being communicated within the messaging? And then also what was the process to get there? Mm, yeah. So it's a bit of a, it's been a fun arc. I love how you, um, when we were, we do like the pre-interview questions and stuff, how you mentioned your journey being like unconventional in the sight of others. I was like, that's so, that's a fun way to, to describe it for sure. (laughs) That the arc kind of went away, away from dance and then that God brought you back, you know, into that, like you said, in a different perspective. Yeah. I had to learn that the way that we define dance today, I don't believe we do it properly because mm-hmm. to say I'm a dancer means that in a lot of minds is I'm, I know a codified technique right. and I'm a dancer if I perform at a certain standard and I'm a dancer when I train X amount of hours and then I do X amount of performances at this level mm-hmm. when really if we pull back we say dance is movement yeah every human moves where you move and that it doesn't have to look the same. Yeah. Um, and it also then opens the door to others. Instead of it being a select group, mm-hmm. you see that all flesh can move and they have value as well. Right. So there's a preference probably on what it looks like, but you know, that's a separate thing. It shouldn't disqualify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I needed that time to realize it and to see. Mm. That there was more. I also, when I, I don't think I've mentioned to you, but when I first got saved and I first met the Lord, I was really mad. Mm. God, why did you make me a dancer? Like, this is not beneficial. Like I am, (laughs) I'm a female. So I'm already at the time, not technically, I shouldn't go certain places. Mm. And people are telling me there's certain rules that I should follow. And then on top of that, you're a dancer who it's offensive because your your body can be used, but only in a certain way and in a certain look. Mm. And like, <laughs> oh God, why? <laughs> yeah. Why? And he was so sweet to just say, no, Sarah, you have no idea. Like, let me show you. Wow. Because I can go places that if I had pastor or missionary on my chest, they would never let me in. But as a dancer, I'm a diplomat for him and I can go in and perform and intercede and in my movement, break chains in my movement, shift an atmosphere, which would welcome in something new. It was his sweetness. He's like, I don't make mistakes. Sweet little Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) And how old were you around that time when you first like started walking with the Lord? Um, met him at 18 and fell into it backwards in the sense of <laughs> I I asked the Lord, I was the son of a pastor that introduced faith to me. Okay. And I asked the Lord, I was like, okay, this is real. If I say yes to you, I don't want front of house. Mm-hmm. I want back of house. I want to know what's going on behind the curtain. I don't want, I know what pomp and fair. I know what I've seen, what religion is. Yeah. I don't want another performance presentation. I want to know what's going on behind the scenes with the actual 
system. And, right. and he was sweet enough to honor that from day one. Wow. And so both the pros and cons of that is that the angelic and the demonic became very pronounced mm. and my dreams became very vivid. And then you're in your twenties and you're like, well, what do I do with this? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> this is a lot of information. <laughs> right. Yeah. How do I process this? And then what, what what's the step forward from here? <laughs> what's the step forward? Yeah. He, I prayed for women mentors to come around side of me and he was faithful to bring a powerhouse mm. women that has still to this day walk with me and we can sort through what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, discern what, what's the next step. Hey, what's in front of me. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So that's how I came into this wonderful kingdom of God. Yes. So beautiful. <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. I was like, that, that's so fascinating. I love it. Getting to hear a bit more of just your journey and your story. Yeah. It's not boring. I wish your times would tell you it's boring. It's not a boring one. <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> so I think kind of jumping back to something you said a little bit earlier was when you went back for your MFA and we're researching and studying. So I'm kind of just curious because I haven't I guess, gone that route as much with kind of, you called it like practice-based research. And that was kind of the focus there for your MFA. Do you mind just sharing what that means and how that changed your perspective as well? Absolutely. Practice-based research, it is a method of seeing the arts. Similar to what I said earlier about it's it's the process rather than the product. Gotcha. Okay. That the, the way that we come about creating is worthy of study. Mm-hmm. And rather than saying, I have this vision and I need one girl in red in the center, it asks, Well, why? Yeah. What is the significance of the center? What is the significance of the color red? What is the thought process that you got there? And as an artist and as a creative, it was so satisfying because it made me go inward mm. and digest things rather than just saying, this is what I want. I had to backtrack a little bit. Right. Yeah. The offshoot of practice-based research which is most often seen in European communities. There's emphasis of it there where it attaches the sciences, it attaches psychology, philosophy, mm. yeah. theology, And it says we need dance as a tool to understand the world around us. Mm. So for my MFA thesis, I studied embodied cognition, how the body comes to form information. Um, And specifically, it was about architecture. At the time, the Lord was talking to me about being a dwelling place of the Most High God. And what does it mean to be a house, a temple Mm. for him? And then how do I reconcile that with my temple going through stages of existence? Yeah. Um, like first being saved and then maturation and then so on. And he gave me the analogy of a home and how there's a quote from Victoria Marx. It says that dance is like a home. Every time you enter it, it is a different experience. Mm. You can never relive the same exact. It's so ephemeral. It's so impermanence, the humanity of it. We think it's the same, but yet it's not. And so with that, my husband and I had just purchased a home and we were in the process of renovating it. 
And so I came in at every stage of renovation and filmed a improvisational movement practice that whatever was in the environment, I began to embody. And mm. I did this for six months. Wow. So That's he fun. would yeah. Yeah, talk about a relationship. <laughs> uh, we, he would come in and he would rip out the drywall and there would just be studs. And then I would come in not knowing what he had done. And I would start to move and craft and try to make my body the same. And then I would write a free flow of thought of what was going on in the space when I was there. And if it recalled any memories from my past. Mm, and then I did that again when we renovated the space again. And in result of it, I, it was a paradigm of thought about memory and spatial existence. And I invited University of, of Texas dancers to do the same thing in their spaces. Oh, and cool. we made a choreographic piece based upon space to place to home, which was quite fun before because this was before COVID. So yeah. we were using your environment, your house as as impetus before it became like you, you can't leave right like now everyone or at that season everyone was experimenting with that probably <laughs> and, yeah it was quite it was quite challenging but it was so exciting for me because i i had moved in this house so much right. that i could recall the lines of the floor and where the shadows fell and how that was similar to the impermanence of my flesh and how I'm the same, but I'm different. Mm -hmm. Just like a wrinkle on your skin over time. Yeah. And it comes in experience, just like I, I scuffed the floor and I can remember it. Right. So that's where I ended up with that research project. And it's carried with me throughout in everything that I do. I'm mm -hmm. grateful for my time at Jacksonville University. PAR is not for everybody. It just was my perfect cup of tea. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, great fit and fun exploration. It, yeah, and one day hopefully a PhD and we'll look into it. Yeah. Further it, it just becomes a, a game of time. Definitely. <laughs> Figuring out, okay, when is the right season and priorities and yes, that would be so fascinating to have that experience as the house is becoming more and more your home, like you said. And do you feel like because you were doing that practice and coming back kind of throughout the process that it felt like home maybe sooner than it would have if you hadn't mm -hmm. been doing that? That's a great question. It certainly had a depth of, I know this place. Mm -hmm. Like a familiarity I, I, kind of. Yes. Thing. And in the sounds, in the, you know, I'm looking around now, I'm thinking about the walls and the drywall. I mean, we did everything. Wow. Yes. But it's taken, I think it's taken a different shift now too, because the lived experience now involves two children. Mm -hmm. and so it's the dance has gone from what I know to completely a different space. Right. It's really humbling. It's quite fun. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. It was fun to hear about. <laughs> Such a cool experience. So have you felt like your teaching approach, I guess, has kind of evolved over the years? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Especially with the MFA, I feel like that <laughs> was a big shift. Yeah. I mean, it's a mixture. I, I'm not as, um, I'm just, I feel so at home teaching. I mm. feel like it's my best self when I'm with others and pouring out. And I teach in a, a space where I welcome the learning to happen at the same time. Like I, I may know what's happening. Mm -hmm. I know what's happening, right? <laughs> but 
there's a there's always a hair that you can welcome as an educator where you're you're learning as you go because the bodies aren't the same. Mm-hmm. So I I always say that I teach to those that are in my room. I can't project on who I'm going to assume is in the room because mm. that's not fair. And so I prepare myself. I do everything on my end that I can to know the material, to know how I'm going to teach the flow. It's like hospitality. Um, mm. I want my dance studio, regardless of the subject, that those that are welcomed to the table, they feel cared for and they know that they're not going to be dropped yeah. <laughs> all the way through to the very end. Right. right. And so I do the best that I can in that of preparation, but then I also leave an element open and that the openness has taken time with age to know that it's okay not to have all of the answers. Mm. And it's absolutely appropriate if someone gives me a question and I don't know the answer to say, that's a great question. Can I come back to you? I'd love to think about that a bit more mm-hmm. rather than feeling that anxiety of I have to give an answer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like we have to know all the answers because we're the one no, quote unquote teaching, I'm, right? Yeah. No, yeah. I'm a human too. Um, right. And I will be the first to apologize when I make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be the first one to say that's, I don't actually have an answer. Let's find that out together Mm, Um, and welcome also others into that. So it's not just this hierarchical, I'm set on a podium Mm -hmm. position because that I don't, I don't believe that the dancer of today needs that lording presence. Mm -hmm. It worked, it can work, but the byproduct often just results in anxiety and a short dance career. Right. I I want to equip people so that they're dancing past my body into if I'm 90, they're still going. They're 70. (laughs) They're 60. I'm 120 and they're still going because that's it can't be a short term. It has to be long term. So that definitely has progressed in my teaching pedagogy. Also being okay to try something new. And to still be a student and still to learn um, and not assume that I'm done. Right. I think that's a very powerful element as an educator is to still be learning, you know? Yeah. So good. That's why I fell in love with. I loved school. Mm -hmm. I loved, even though I struggled with dyslexia as a child, I loved seeing how people learn. How did that pick up for this person? It didn't work for that person. Oh, okay. This person needs this and to cater to it Mm. in the most appropriate way to get to the same end goal. I think that's so cool. I really get nerded out about pedagogy. I really like it. And it's just probably, (laughs) I don't have a company. I don't, I could, but I don't want one. I really love the laboratory of the studio space. Yes. And the kind of the education side. Yeah. The side of it. And then also to know about when looking at a Christian perspective, to also know the spiritual authority mm-hmm. within a dance studio and that as a teacher, these bodies are entrusted to me, these spirits are entrusted to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do them wrong. So at every cost, you know, in Jesus name, distraction needs to leave. Mm-hmm. Depression, anxiety cannot be present because if those come forward, then the healing that's available mm-hmm. 
even in ballet technique. Yeah. I don't think I don't know a single ballet dancer that doesn't have a moment during a combination of, of self-criticism mm. and evaluating. Is that helpful? So my role becomes as a protection and, and taking authority over the space and allowing only that which is of God to come through mm. so that greater freedom can be had in the plie, in the in the contraction, in the spiral, in the whatever it may be. Right. That's so, so good. Yes. I saw that you've started building community in Dallas around adult classes as well and um, just some offerings for the community and even outdoor classes, which is super fun. So I would just love to hear kind of what that's been like. And it sounds like that's been going on for over a decade now. A long time. I've been teaching adult contemporary modern for 15 years in Dallas, Texas. That's incredible. I love it. I love the community of people. I love the fact that I never know who's coming in the door, mm-hmm. which has actually really aided my teaching method. Mm-hmm. Because as adults, you don't always have the privilege of being able to, either it's work, it's family, it's travel. Right. You choose to come, which is a whole different mindset than I'm obligated to do. Right. I'm putting my money to it. Yeah. So I love having the fact that I don't know who's coming, but yet over now, each time I've watched the communities come together and maintain a sustainable friendships. Mm-hmm. It's not dependent upon me. I'm just the facilitator of the party and so funny. <laughs> coming in. It also, it's quite funny because it's just a, it's just a studio class. It's nothing higher and <laughs> that it's, it's often, it was, it's, I laugh because I feel like I've been privy to the most amazing demographic ever. I've watched now the ticket holders of Dallas, Texas. I've moved with the people that are actually in the theater seats, hearing their feedback, Mm. hearing what they're wanting, hearing their perspective the day after the big show. Those are my people. Those are the people that I'm Mm. rubbing elbows with, laymen, which... I'm grateful for. And I, I know that either it's so diverse. I have nurses, I have school principals, I have lawyers, I have artists, um, mm. some that have moved forever and they just need an outlet. Yeah. Um, some that have never danced and they just want to be brave. That's really fun. Yeah. To create an atmosphere where they can find that together. Mm-hmm. It has been really life giving. And then the byproduct because of remember if it was because of COVID or if it was prior to it, I had started to experiment with bringing in live musicians mm-hmm. to my class, Yeah, wanting just the normal adult to get the same experience that we get at the collegiate level or the professional level. Right. So I would bring in and I would hire uh, my friends here, musicians, and they would play. And then I thought, well, why don't we do this outside? Why can't we do this in a parking lot or a park? Or And so I started teaching two separate classes. One of them I called, it was called Generous Movers. Mm -hmm. And it was a movement meditation and prayer class open to any denomination. Mm -hmm. Um, We would meet in a park on a Saturday morning. And for that one, we had no music. It was just the sound of nature Mm. for an hour and a half. It was donation based. And in the beginning, it was we would raise money. Their donations would then be given outward to our community Ooh, um, yeah. in different facets. And then 
it also evolved to being during COVID one of my primary forms of income because all of the studios closed down. Yeah. And the university was still operating, but we were online. Uh-huh. So then it became a way of sustaining my family. Yeah. And I, I learned how much I love teaching in unconventional settings. Mm-hmm. And then the other class I started was called Modern Archive. And it was a mixture of like geocaching. Oh, yeah. With <laughs> And so I would send out an address and we, we would have to find the coordinates. And it was always in an urban setting in Dallas, in downtown oh, Dallas. Cool. <laughs> and then my friends who are musicians would put together their set. And we jokingly were like, we're going to do this before we get arrested. So you have to dance and have the class and have your live music with your drum kit before someone calls the police on us. And they would pack up everything and we would run. But we, we, I called it Modern Archive because of the idea of a site being a location, a treasure trove of experience and memory. And that anytime you come back to that same site, you can have the recollection of what occurred there. Mm. Um, and it would just keep moving throughout the city so that you would come to know the city in a greater way. And That's that was so also fun. a donation-based class. It was a lot of fun. Yes, I'm like, so, okay, I mean, can you come do this in Houston? <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. The, I would need help though, because I don't know all of your hidden treasure gems and all True. of the, I mean, we did it under bridges. We would do it in parking lots. We would do it outside of art galleries. Like, it was just dance arts gone rogue. <laughs> I really <laughs> love. me happy. So cool. Yeah, it was a fun, like childlike again, playing. Mm-hmm. Such a sustainable necessity for mm-hmm. children, but also for adults that we need to tap into, that we need to remember that play didn't stop when I learned about my taxes. And right. I had the responsibilities of the world put on my shoulders, that it's still accessible. It just becomes a bit more of a choice that I have to engage in. Mm-hmm. I have to leave my house yes. <laughs> ready for the unknown. Exactly. Yeah. I'm really grateful for that community. I can't, I cannot believe it. it's been 15 years. So amazing. Yes. I love it. And that's such a fun idea. So either we can bring you in and help you know where the places are or somebody out there, you want to start something similar in Houston. That'd be really fun. <laughs> rogue dancing, you know. Yes. Rogue dancing. Rogue dancers <laughs> gone wrong. And it would be, it would be a lovely experiment to do also with performance and to see uh, traveling choreographic work one day. Yes. Wow, that's day. the list of to come yes <laughs> yes things to, to be come. continued yeah i love that so something that i love about kind of a thread that i see throughout your whole journey is the idea of healing and movement being kind of a avenue for healing as well and i know you mentioned doing the inner healing and prayer ministry and not sure which direction we want to go with this, but I would love to hear more about the inner healing and prayer ministry that you've done and kind of how you've seen that transform your life personally, and then also the community around you. Maybe we'll start there. Yeah. So many offshoots of it. It's hard to separate. You know, it's, yeah, it threads throughout right now where the dance has taken me and where the healing, we say somatics, somatics is the study of self, Mm. somo self in Greek. And in somatics, improvisational practices thread beautifully because I look at the psyche um, I look at what's happening in the body, um, the choices that we're making, but then it also taps into the philosophical and into theology. And so what I've I've come to in this season, last two, three, no, it's been four years, four years mm-hmm. now, 
is what Randall Flynn lovingly calls embodied theology. Yeah. Went to Randall's like, Randall, what am I doing? I love it. (laughs) What is this thing that I'm doing? And he's like, oh, you're, you're taking the scripture and you're, you're finding a method of it coming out into the body, Mm. which was so helpful to have his direction of this is what's happening. Yes. He has a way with words as well. (laughs) For sure. That's so true. What the Lord has been showing me and revealing to me is the power of a pedagogy, a method of teaching that I don't lecture. I don't look at the scriptures and I don't, we can't just sit. That can be a method of learning, Mm -hmm. but there's something needed in the engagement of the body and taking a scripture and saying, okay, Jesus, how does this now play out in my flesh? Mm-hmm. How can I take this into a deeper level, both to know you more, but then also to know me more, to know how I'm applying this inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I've started to teach these embodied theology workshops all pop into different companies, different organizations, both dance arts, but then also not. Mm-hmm. Again, a dancer doesn't have to be a classically trained individual. Right. And to look at the fear of man mm-hmm. and, and seeing somebody and what does the scripture say? What does the Bible say about fearing man, but not fearing God. And how do I see another human and look them in the eyes Mm, and and teaching a whole class structured around that teaching a whole class about the fear of failure and in having faith and faith that perseveres over time. And so that's how the inner healing prayer and deliverance kind of weaves within these embodied practices. It has been really a joy to have this manifest and to watch it and to learn through others and to hear mm-hmm. how they're experiencing Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and knowing that the work then comes into everything else off of it. Yeah. Where this is going, I'm not really certain. I don't know if this is eventually turning into a PhD work for me or if it's turning to a, a publishing adventure or mm-hmm. just really enjoying watching him. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure some incredible moments of transformation and just meeting with God in those places is I'm sure like so powerful. And I love the, the connection between or bringing that element of that kind of embodied, like physical element into that inner healing work. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yes. Me too. <laughs> so good. So good. One area that I would love to let people know that is a thing that you and your husband have founded and also are continuing is your nonprofit that you guys started, Erin and Her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's been a huge experience of the transformational power of movement and of just like how God can work through that. We, um, and 10 years ago, we started Erin and Her. We wanted to create an organization that lifted up the arms of those that are already doing the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story in Exodus about Moses and how when the staff was held up by Aaron and by her, then the battle was won down below. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was speaking to us about rather than starting something new, there are already people out there that are doing the work. They just need refreshment. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. my husband and I partner with 
missionaries, field workers, creatives, and say, what is the, we have learned, we now ask, what is the dream that you have that you aren't able to accomplish? Mm. How can we partner with you on that? That's a great question. Rather than saying, what's the problem that you have? Yeah. Because people don't often, it becomes a shame point where they can't accomplish the thing that they want to, and they feel upset about that, but rather no, no, no. What's the big dream? Yeah. Or if, if you've never dreamed into that, can we dream with you? Mm-hmm. My husband is a, is a beautiful problem solver. He has the gift of strategy. He There is nothing awesome. that's too complex for him to untangle. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it's such a relational element and meeting with people and seeing them and saying, okay, this is what I hear you saying let's make that happen. And then if there happens to be an attachment with the arts, then I'll outpour that with you or Mm -hmm. partner with you in that. Um, So with Erin and her, we've internationally, we've traveled, we've worked with people in Thailand, we've worked with people in the States. Um, Mm -hmm. We've had in the past help people with their 5013C paperwork or brainstorming Mm -hmm. and mentorship. And it has been humbling because you start doing this you're like all right here's my big I'm gonna do this project and here we go and I remember the time I was was with the Lord and he said would you be okay if you just went after one Mm. and I was like no that's that's not no one wants do they want to read about the one they want to know about my numbers they want to know about these are how many I've evangelized and this is and he was so sweet to rebuke me (laughs) Like Sarah, I'm like you and your husband are like special forces. You're going to go in and then get out. Mm-hmm. You're going to go after the one because they're important to me. And there's going to be no pomp and fair. There's going to be no parade for what you did because <laughs> it's not necessary. It's really not. It's not about that. Yeah. But sweet little cute flesh tries to tell you otherwise. Uh-huh. But it it is just partnering with one at a time. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a sweet project on the side of all of the other things that have percolated mm-hmm. because we don't truly, we don't pursue. So the Lord will just bring somebody beside mm-hmm. and that one person will walk with for, it could be a month, it could be years, but we know that it's worth it because he sees them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my thought is that Aaron and her will probably be with me to my dying day. Yeah. It will, though, by the end of the dying day, probably look 100% different than what yes. I'm doing today with it. Mm-hmm. So that's Aaron and her. Yeah. Is there a particular story that stands out of the work y'all have done so far or helped support? I think mm, there's so many. Yeah. There's so many. I think in the very beginning, one of my favorites, there was a woman named Jenny. And she ran a shelter for women in human trafficking Mm. and in prostitution. And they would come out and they would have a safe place with her. And she was a survivor as well. And we came and it was a byproduct. It was like a a connection of a connection. We weren't even supposed to be in that part of Thailand. Yeah. Someone was like, you need to go meet this woman. So we did. What do you, what do you need? Like, what is the dream? And she just looked at us and she just, She's like, I just need intercession. Okay. Yeah. We can do that. And so, you know, your flesh is like, I've flown around the entire world (laughs) and I could have been doing this in my pajamas 
this is illogical, but for some reason I have to trust that I'm supposed to be here. Uh-huh. Right? It had to happen in her back office. Mm. And so we would take a little tuk-tuk taxi cab over across town in Chiang Mai at the time. And mm-hmm. we would go upstairs and we would sit and we would just pray. And we committed to doing it mm. for the three or four months that we were there. And it's it's a good reminder for me too, because I don't know what seeds were planted. I don't have all of the privy of information, but I know that I was asked to do it. And that's the post that I'll take up. Mm, yeah. And it was worthy of doing it. Right. Such a cool story. Thank you. Yes. Well, this has been so fun. And literally, we could just keep going. <laughs> we'll just keep going. But um, as we wrap up, I like to ask everyone that comes on the show, is there something that you have on your heart right now that you'd like to share with other artists? And I know that's a very broad and we've basically been doing that. So if there's anything else in this moment that comes to mind. Probably the desire in my heart for them to know they're not alone. And that the parts of you that feel broken or not usable, that it's a lie and that the Lord wants to do something with you, through you, and in your specific story. Mm. That it's he is safe to dream with, and that you can't. The best thing you can do for your career, for your resume, is to invest in him. Yeah, invest in the classes, invest in the literature, do that. But you know, do the auditions. But he is the ultimate gate into everything, into anything, mm-hmm. and he is safe. He's safe to know. Mm beautiful that's what i would leave people with and if they need um they they need a connection point they can find me on instagram or email me at matsky movement yeah. and tell me their story and i'm happy to to be another connection point that the goal is that they run their race longer than i do mm. that's what i want i want to form a team that we just keep running yes taking things down in our path just keep going uh- <laughs> Yes. Love it. So last fun question is what is one of your favorite things right now? Oh, in general, in, in anything? general, anything. I am um I'm brought back in this season to the um <laughs> the beauty of mud pies. Yes. Is that probably unexpected, but I how love it, enjoyable though, you don't need toys. You don't need you need a stick and mud and that <laughs> will entertain for hours. And how therapeutic it is to put your hands in the dirt. Yes. That's my favorite thing right now. <laughs> I think that's perfect. That's wonderful. <laughs> Such a great answer. So, so good. And I know you you just said it, but just again, for people, if they'd like to connect with you and just chat or like like you said, share their story. Can you just say those handles again on Instagram? Yeah. My, it's, it's Matsky Movement, M-A-T-Z-K-E, and the word movement at gmail.com. Or on Instagram, it's also Matsky Movement. Perfect. Um, and then if if there's, I think the other way you can reach me is at sarahmatsky.art is my website. Love it. And I'll link to those in the show notes as well so people can find you and connect. And thank you so much. This has been incredible. Literally could do this all day. So, so grateful for you and just being willing to take the time. And I know it's the midst of like end of the semester and all the things that are happening. So thanks for being here, friend. Absolutely. It's an honor. Thanks for being here. 
find all the links, full show notes, and additional resources on our website, creativeimpactpodcast.com. If you're interested in supporting the show, some great ways to do that are to share it with a friend, to rate and review wherever you're listening. And then also, if you're interested in giving financially, you can check out our Patreon community where you get bonus content each month and have a special part in helping make this podcast possible. You can access our Patreon community on the link at our website or by going to creativeimpactpodcast.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you all so much for listening to the Creative Impact Podcast. The music for the show was produced by Michael Cash. Until next time, remember that you were designed to create. You were made to inspire. Continue living with purpose and making an impact. I'll see you next time, friends.